National media continues to exaggerate and promote misleading negative headlines designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Remember, the only people who want to defund the police and dismantle these agencies are the criminals. And don't forget to thank a cop. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Law Matters. I have a full house here in the studio this morning, but on the phone we have Hal Comfer. He's going to give us an update on what's going on. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, Sherry. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. Uh, how are you doing? Well, it's it's nice here. We don't have snow, so I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the few places in the country. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on around the world, of course. Uh, uh, Israel dominates the news. Um, uh, this week, uh, of course, everything, you know, a lot of military action going on down there, a lot of discussion about the number of uh, civilians that have been killed in various Israeli strikes. But probably the biggest thing is uh, Biden and Netanyahu finally talked to each other for the first time in almost a month. They actually had a phone call. Netanyahu had come out and said that he was opposed to a, a separate Palestinian state, and then the phone call, he said he was open to a, a Palestinian state. And frankly, it looks like a bit of a negotiation in, in the public discourse on what this is. But the U.S. position is there has to be a two-state solution for Palestine. The thing I think that's kind of hidden, it's been over the last week, the last couple of weeks, uh, when Blinken was doing his roundabout throughout the Middle East, uh, he, he stopped in Saudi Arabia. And when he arrived in Israel, he had an offer by the Saudis to basically saying, hey, we'd like to normalize relations with Israel if we can solve this Palestinian issue. I, I think that is or that is huge because uh, disrupting the normalization relations with Saudi Arabia and Israel is really pro- one of the biggest reasons why Hamas did the October 7th attacks. So so there's the, you know, the, the chances are that basically everything that Hamas wanted to do uh, didn't work. And I think that's kind of an earth-shattering thing. Of course, a lot of stuff going on down the Red Sea with Yemen. Uh, they're still firing missiles uh, out there. But since we did that big strike uh, about two weeks ago, when we did that huge, or maybe not even that long ago, since we did that huge strike, we've been hitting them on a pretty regular basis and doing preemptive strikes, taking out missiles. And that has really slowed down the volume of uh, Houthi attacks uh, yeah. in the Red Sea across the region. Good. Good yeah, job. it's uh, it's working pretty well. So uh, uh, so those are some of the biggest things going on. Of course, uh, there was that little issue of Iran shooting missiles into Iraq and over in Syria and into Pakistan. Oh, and then saying they were hitting terrorist targets, and then Pakistan turned around and fired uh, and basically attacked an Iran position, a position our place in Iran said we're attacking terrorist targets. And I, and I think this year's Academy Award goes to the foreign minister of Pakistan keeping a straight face while they're explaining why this just happened to be attacking terrorist <laughs> targets in Iran. I just, I just thought that was amazing. So uh, um, so anyway, it's been busy around the world. Of course, the war still goes on in Ukraine. Um, and there's big discussion, a lot of movement on doing something with the $300 billion in frozen Russian assets. The U.S. is working concertedly, is trying to uh, with our European or with other allies to try and use that money to basically push it over to Ukraine so they can fund their war effort. So just a lot going on around the world this week. 
Wow, it sounds like it. I appreciate you coming on and, and bringing us up to date. I missed some of that stuff mm-hmm. in the news. I've been running around. So I appreciate you keeping me on my toes. You bet. Okay. Well, thanks, Sherry. Okay. Thanks, thanks for having th- me on. Thanks, okay. Hal. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. Okay. Okay, I want to remind people, we have a, a primary election. It is an election year. The fun has just begun. And if you're an independent, typically you cannot vote in the primary. But if you want to have your voice heard, you may change your voting registration to a different party preference. You can be a Democrat or a Republican or whatever that other party is. But you have to do it before February 20th. So if you want your voice heard in the primary, you want to have influence, do this before the 20th of February. Okay? All right, in the studio, we have, this is our tax show, and I want everybody to know that if you have a question, you can call in at 520-790-2040. We have Mark Barnes, who is the owner of, um, what's that company called? Upper Canyon Tax and Financial Services. There you go. And we have Hassan here, who is the owner of the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So I want to talk to you a little bit. Tell us about you. How did you get involved with the IRS and your studies and where you're from? Are you always in Tucson? What's going on? Yes. Um, as you said, I'm Hassan. Uh, I've been with IRS for uh, over 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm the supervisor uh, for the criminal investigative investigation side. Uh, before I joined as a, C, as a, a special agent, uh, I was a CPA. I'm a certified public accountant. I'm an accountant. And uh, the reason uh, I joined is because of September 11. Uh, after September 11 and what happened, I, I promised myself I, I will do a service to the country that will help and prevent another incident like that. And, uh, and I applied for couple of federal law enforcement agency and uh, IRS criminal investigation, uh, fortunately to me, uh, hired me first. So I went with it. And it's been nothing but a great career uh, serving the nation, work tax and non-tax investigations during my 14 years. Uh, and, I, you know, I worked in uh, Philadelphia. I worked in here in Arizona, Tucson. And also I've been... Uh, every now on and doing an assignment in other uh, states. No, so. Oh, so you get around. That's what you're telling us, you get around. Yes, I did, and I still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. I know we've got some topics that we need to address. We need to We talk about... Um, I'm going to let Mark go first on this because he's, got, he's waiting for Congress to do something. What's going on? So there's a lot of new things that are coming up right now. Um... But everybody that's ready to rush out and file your tax return for the 2023 year, you might want to just delay that appointment by a week or so. Um, we do have a new tax bill on the table, the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2024. And that made it through the uh, the committee yesterday and has moved on to the House for a vote. Um, no sign yet of when they will actually take that up. So it could be something that happens early next week or 
in government fashion. It could happen at the last minute and like April fourteenth. Well, usually last minute for them would be like the second week of February, but by then millions of tax returns have been filed and and people don't don't realize they should wait. Yeah. Now, okay, if you've already filed your tax return and then they vote on this and it goes through, do you have to redo your taxes? I can't answer that. Okay, don't. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to file an amended return, and sometimes they will make corrections if it's something simple. So if they're making modifications to the child tax credit, that's something that could be handled at the IRS level. But they're also making changes to some business items, which are not things that the IRS would be able to automatically correct. Uh, things like bonus depreciation are set at 80% right now, and this law will bring it back to being able to take 100% bonus depreciation. That's not an IRS quick fix kind of an item because that changes your company books, tax return, and all your carry-forward information. So this child credit thing, is it worth having a baby for? No. Okay. I just, have one. Just They're thought expensive. I'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> They're expensive. <laughs> so don't, don't run out kids. and get pregnant. It's not worth it. Yeah, I don't have kids for tax purposes. <laughs> it's okay. not, you're not going to break even. <laughs> what are the steps that a taxpayer should consider, Hassan, when they're hiring a tax preparer? All right. Uh, I just, first, I wanted to talk about IRS criminal investigation. Okay. Uh, we are the only federal law enforcement agency with the authority to investigate uh, violations of the Internal Revenue Code, uh, which include tax preparers. And uh, every year uh, throughout my career, there's a lot of fraud I've seen committed uh, by the tax preparer. Uh, So some of the tips I would give the uh, U.S. taxpayer is choose your tax preparer wisely. Uh, Look out for someone who is available Order your round that if you get audited or you receive the letter from IRS that you can reach out to them. Uh, do not go to a preparer who refuses to sign your tax return. Each tax preparer has to have preparer tax identification number. He has to put it in your tax returns, put their information in your tax returns. And another tip, do not sign a plank tax return and ask questions. Ultimately, you as a taxpayer responsible for the information on your tax return, even if the tax preparer put a false item on on your return. So ask questions, review your tax return, uh, make sure that your refund goes directly to your bank account. Uh, Some tax preparer will go to their bank account first, then take a cut or take it all. So that's some of the tips I would. And you have to remember, you know, just because your cousin Jethro knows how to use TurboTax doesn't mean that he's going to be doing the right thing by you, yeah. <laughs> fixing your taxes. You know, you have to be careful what what you're doing. I would say to add to that, you want to questions that you'd want to ask. Um, information security is a really big deal in the industry right now, so don't be afraid to ask the person preparing your taxes. What are they what are they doing to protect your information there we're required to have a written information security plan um, if you walk into my lobby mine's printed and available right in the front lobby but they should be able to give you basic steps on how they're protecting your information since they have your name address social date of birth where you work where your assets are held all that other information 
and then ask about um, what type of updates they've taken, how many classes they've taken in the last year to get them prepared for the new tax season. Um, I'm required to have 24 hours a year of continuing education. Any given year, I'll have 80 to 90, maybe even 100 hours in. So that's that's why you're the walking encyclopedia. It could be. <laughs> you can <laughs> just have too much free time. <laughs> so, okay, where do we go from here? You've you've hired somebody that you know is credible. Yes. You know, it's not your cousin Jethro. You've hired somebody who really knows what's going on. What else do you have to watch out for? Uh, your return, review your return. You know, uh, even if the taxpayer re- reliable, you need, it's your responsibility to look what's in your return. And yeah, because once you sign it, it's yours. It's yours. Uh, you're the one who's going to pay back the f- refund if it was overstated. So, What happens if you're a victim of identity theft? Oh, yes. I get this question a lot. Uh, first, don't panic because it happens a lot. And first thing, change all your passwords, bank account passwords, emails passwords, even your computer password, if you feel like someone remotely logged in to your uh, computer. And uh, next, file a police report. Uh, really? Oh, yes. Okay. You have to file a police report. And then if file a form for, uh, 14039, uh, identity theft affidavit with IRS, because it could possibly that they use your information to file false tax return to get refunds, uh, file complaint online with the Federal Trade Commission, uh, it's ftc.gov, and FBI have a website, IC3, ic3.gov, it's the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center, uh, file a uh, complaint there also online, and uh, put an alert or freeze on your on your credit reports. Uh, I tell people that all the time. Yes. Freeze your credit. Yes, and uh, it's for it's what a five dollar charge or something like that to freeze it. Uh, I think it's free. Well, it didn't used to be. If it's free now, that's awesome. But freeze your credit because <laughs> you can. Nobody can use it then. Not even you. <laughs> yes. So that's my advice. I would add to that. Get an identity protection pin, an IP pin from the IRS. Um, that will keep people from e-filing a tax return with your name on it. Um, but the other side that we see on the identity theft is people's information is compromised, whether it's from a tax preparer or a doctor's office or the insurance company or the United States government, any of the other places that have been breached. And then people get a hold of this and use this as their identity to go get jobs. Uh, We have one right now where my client that lives in the Benson area is apparently also working in Northern California. Very talented. And in Oregon and in Washington State because they're getting W-2s in their name from all of these different employers where someone's using their identity across the country. Wow. So it results in us having to file the, the same type of a paperwork in the identity theft affidavit. What about these companies, um, these safe lock things or whatever that company, I can't remember what they're called. They say they're going to protect your identity and you can pay, you know, $50 a month and I'll, I'll watch over your social security number. What about those companies? What do they do? Do you know anything about them? 
there's so many different things that can go wrong. Um, it's kind of like insurance. Getting homeowner's insurance doesn't help you if you crash your car. And having car insurance doesn't help me if there's a data breach in my office. So somebody watching your social doesn't stop someone from stealing your health insurance information and working with a underground doctor at getting medical devices through your insurance that will ultimately come back to you. And it doesn't stop people that have your identity from using your identity, whether they're applying for a credit or just applying for a job, and they're using your your information when they apply. So those things are helpful, but it's not going to stop everything that could go wrong in the identity theft world. It really depends on why someone has your identity and what what they're trying to do with it. Sometimes they just want to get a job because they're here without papers that allow them to work, so they just use someone else's identity. And sometimes these people have no intention of ever filing a tax return fraudulently with someone else's name, but then there's a whole other group of people who just want to file tax returns with other people's information to try to get refunds before the regular tax return is filed by the correct individual. Okay. So that just made me think of something. These people that are being brought in across the border who don't have work permits, they're just being shipped off to Timbuktu. <laughs> do they file taxes? Do how what how does that work with these immigrants? Do you know, or am I asking the wrong department? No, so the, in the United States, we have we have a filing requirement for anybody that earns money here, which is separate from if you're a United States citizen, you have a filing requirement on your worldwide income. So if somebody comes across the border, whether they're here legally or not legally, they should be filing a 1040NR. This is a non-resident form to report their U.S. sourced income at the end of the year. If you're trying to go through the immigration process, this is you have to have these. This okay. is part of the process. But if you're here because you just came over casually or legally or in the back of a truck from a coyote, <laughs> you're supposed to file based on the income that you've earned here. So um, if you're selling drugs, illegal drugs, you have to file that income. Yes. You're supposed to. Yeah. If you're a hired hitman, you have to file that income. Yeah. So, Okay. And Just, if you're a day laborer that's working on a farm, like it's the same situation. You're supposed to report that on a 1040 NR and pay your taxes. And Okay. Now, whether that happens or not, that's a whole different process. But if you're using someone else's ID, then you're being paid on a paycheck with withholding Social Security, Medicare, and potentially federal and state withholding. And that's a different situation. That wouldn't go on your 1040 NR because somebody else is showing as the earner of that income, and that's where the problem starts. And they have to pay taxes on that. Yes. Uh, not only that, it's... Uh, you imagine, like, someone stole someone's identity and filed tax return. The original, the real person cannot file because his, their tax return is going to be rejected. Because so, it's already been filed. Exactly. And uh, it, it's really caused a lot of issues, and I've seen a lot with... Uh, dependents, like the people claiming dependents, that's not theirs. And when the real parents trying to claim their dependents, they can't. Ah. Uh, and uh, that's a real problem here. Um, and it happens a lot. That's a, yeah, that's not cool. So, 
How do you handle that? You're an investigator. How do you handle that? Do you go after these people? Uh, it depends. Uh, like, um, if we see a volume, like one, for example, one tax preparer uh, having, uh, we looked at the statistics. If the tax preparer, we seen a pattern of, of having a high amount of uh, potential fraud, like dependents, like uh, that's not a lot of his client have dependents, not not theirs, and we've seen a lot of complaints, or we've seen a lot of credits and and deduction, and the, always there is a pattern. Uh, yes, we go after them year every year. That's one of our uh, uh, investigations that we always look at every year, and we after them. Uh, they get uh, prison time uh, for committing that crime. They go in the federal prison. Yes. Okay. And it's supposed to be nicer than the state prison. Uh, not prison is prison. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I don't. I don't believe there is a nice and prison nice is prison. prison. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Do you have you worked out in any cases that we all might know who you're talking about? Any famous people you've locked up? Uh, not famous people. <laughs> I didn't like famous people. Okay. This is. I know this is not your area because we're here in Arizona, but. Clarence Thomas received all these expensive gifts. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in various forms. School tuition, house paid off, all this. Doesn't he have to report those on his taxes that he received all this money? Uh, yeah, it depends. Uh, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's truly a gift... We'll start with that. If it's truly a gift, the responsibility is on the giver of the gift, not the receiver. Okay. This is where every year your tax person or whatever software you're using should be asking you, did you make gifts to any one person that exceeded $17,000 for this year? That's the question that's prompting a gift tax return. So you can give gifts under that amount and there's no reporting, you can give gifts above that amount. It just needs to be reported, and then you have to make a decision. But these are gifts where there is nothing expected in return. If we're going to drift down the walkway and get into, the, you know, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, that's uh, probably something we shouldn't talk about on the radio right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you just piqued my interest, and then he, he's like, okay, I'm cutting you off. So, okay, something that maybe we can research later. <laughs> so, okay. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. On February 3rd at 10 a.m., Law Matters Live Show and Pima Federal Credit Union are hosting a town hall presentation with the Pima County Attorney Prosecutors and Investigators with Q&A afterwards. This is not a political rally. It is an educational opportunity held on private property located at 6860 North Oracle Road. Please register on lawmatters1030.org event page because sitting is limited. I'll be there. I hope to see you there as well. Okay, 
Did you know you can be a hero? In fact, we can all be heroes. Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation gives us the opportunity to support our local police from the comfort of our home. Since 2003, funds raised help to protect our protectors. Learn more at protectingourprotectors.org. Go check it out. And please, be a hero. Southern Arizona Against Slavery is hosting its first annual Human Trafficking Awareness Walk January 20th at Reed Park. This free event is open to community members of all ages, and you may register on our website, sastucson.com. That's S-A-A-S, Tucson.com. In addition to the walk, you'll find a silent auction, food trucks, jumping castles, and a variety of ways to donate to efforts directly combating human trafficking in our community. We hope to see you there. Law Matters wants you to know all phone and email scams follow the same basic pattern. A potential victim is contacted, they are given a compelling reason to act, and then they are told to pay money. In every scheme, there is an urgency factor. These scammers are professionals. They are using scripts that work. It is okay to hang up or tell a lie if you have to. Better yet, don't answer the phone if you don't recognize the number. If in doubt, reach out to a friend or a family member. Thanks for staying with us. In the studio, we have Special Agent Hassan from the IRS Department. He's keeping us honest. And we have from Copper Canyon Tax Service. And he's a regular. Everybody should know Mark by now. And I, I say it every year. You want to meet Mark. You don't want to meet Hassan. So <laughs> nice guy. You don't want to know him. So... <laughs> So, okay, let's talk about the beneficial ownership reporting requirements. Sure. So this is something new, and the information's out there if you're looking in the right place, but here it is. Um, The Corporate Transparency Act was passed into law a couple years ago, and it starts a beneficial ownership informational reporting requirement for small business owners in the United States. So this is going to apply to anybody who has structured a business with a state. This could be an LLC, an LLP, or a small corporation. Um, There's two times on this. There's one time frame for businesses that existed on or before December 31st of 2023. They have all year in 2024 to get their reporting taken care of. And then if your business was started January 1st, 2024 or after, you have now 90 days to report this information. This reporting is done through the Financial Crimes Unit of the government. So it's going to be done through FinCEN, same place that we report our foreign bank reporting information. Um, They're going to be looking for information on each owner of the company. There's an exemption list that I believe there's 29 exemptions. So if you already have a requirement where you're reporting company shareholders or partners to the government, then you don't have this additional requirement. So this applies to nonprofits. Uh, If you're an insurance company, you already have state regulations that you have to follow. If you are an accounting firm that uh, follows the SOX requirements and does auditing, you already have requirements to report with the government. So companies like that would be exempt But for most of our small business owners, this is something new that needs to be taken care of this year. And if it's not, the penalty is $500 per day and up to two years in prison. Oh. (laughs) Um, And I also want to add in. You guys are serious. 
while people are upset about this change and that's understandable, the United States is the last civilized country to have this type of reporting. It happens everywhere else across the globe. Okay. We're, we're just a decade behind everybody else on many things, including this. Okay. <laughs> we'll catch up. <laughs> okay. We were talking about charities. Yep. Not all charities are real. So what's what's the thing? I we we have a list, or I don't have a list. IRS has a list called the Dirty Dozen, yes. and you can go on their website and read about all these different things that can happen and be aware of them. But let's talk about fake charities. Yes. So, what is you know the situation where people are pretending they're a charity or whatever and. They, Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a scam, basically. Uh, you get a phone call or mail and tell you, you know, donate to that charity. And these charities are not charities, basically. It's a scam. And uh, they make a lot of money out of people. Uh, I want to know how they do it because we're a real charity and it's not happening. So how do, how do they come up with this? <laughs> well, they make a cause that they know people will sympathize with and they call them you get a phone call you get an email or a letter in the mail yeah it happens uh, every day yeah and people send money checks so how does how do people check to make sure that is a bona fide charity 501c3 first you can google them online that google the charity online um Usually, you know, um, we go to Arizona Corporation Commission and you can see if they're a real charity. So I imagine every state would have a facility like that where you can go online and and check it out. Is that true? Yeah, but part of the the easier thing, there's a couple of ways. One, they should have a website that indicates that they're a real nonprofit, but that could also be faked. Part of the process of becoming a nonprofit is you have to apply with the IRS. And once the IRS has granted you nonprofit status, they have a list. Um, I can't remember exactly where it is on the IRS website, but a quick Google search of IRS and then charities should get you to the page where you can then look up and see if they have been designated by the IRS as a charity. And if you've got a EIN number, when you Google that number, that charity should come up if it's real, right? Potentially. Okay. It's not everybody has their EIN number available for searching. Um, but when you get to the IRS website, you would be able to find their name. Um, their location. Their location. Yeah, there's going to be some basic information that will that at least get you in, pointed in the direction of knowing if they're a real charity or not. Okay. We talked about the unscrupulous taxpayers. Let's talk about phishing and what is the smishing thing? Oh, uh, fishing and smishing, and there's actually vishing too. Okay. <laughs> okay. So f- fishing is for the emails. Like when you, when you get an email phishing, uh, asking you to click on a link mm-hmm. uh, and can download malicious code on your c- computer and steal your information. That's one of the you know the way they get your steal your identities and information out of your computer. Uh, smishing is when you get a text message with some information asking you to click on the link could be from a reputable company and you click on the link download the malicious software on your phone or it can take you to a website ask you to enter your information 
So the way they scam you through text messages, it's SMS. And there is a vishing with the V. Uh, that's when you receive phone calls to ask for your, to provide their info, your information to them so they can, you know, steal your identities or your bank accounts. So that's... Once a person has their ID stolen and somebody else has used it to file for their taxes, how do they get out of that? Would it, do they have to work with you to... What's, it sounds like a nightmare. It is, actually. It is a very nightmare. So, you know, as I mentioned, you filed the identity theft affidavit. Uh, make an appointment with the IRS uh, office nearest to you. Not We're not talking a tax preparer. We're talking an IRS official office yes. near you. Yes. Yes. And uh, as Mark said, you will get a PIN number, you know, established PIN number so no one can use it. And IRS will work with you because we know it happens a lot. So how do you... Is there a process that you put a person through to prove that they are who they say they are? Uh... Yeah, once we, they go to the IRS office, show their identity, show, show their ID, and talk to the uh, IRS representative, yeah, they will check their ID and prior filing and establish that this is a real person. This is the real person. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, because that, it, it just sounds like a horrible nightmare to me. It is. It, how many years does it take to correct it? Um, we've had situations where... If you're waiting on a refund, especially, somebody files for you, you finally get around to filing your own tax return. It's rejected because of ID theft. Then it has to go through this process. We've seen it take 12 to 14 months before people will get their refund. Wow. Another reason to not use the government as a savings account. There you go. Don't use the government as a savings account. (laughs) Mark said so. Yeah. Okay, explain what you mean by that, because I know what you mean, but the listeners may not know. So there's times where people will get refunds, and there's not a lot that they can do to stop that. This happens if you are lower income, have children, are getting child tax credits or earned income credit. But for a lot of people, they are you're, you're voluntarily sending money to the IRS every time you get paid. And I know that nobody wants to owe. I get it. I've been doing this for a long time. I've heard it thousands of times. But there's a limit to where people should overpay the government. And we've had cases where people are overpaying by 500 to to $1,000 a month intentionally so that they can get a big refund so they have a large chunk of cash. And but these are that, situations where they could be paying $1,000 a month less in taxes and use that money now and then not get in a situation where I'm waiting on an eight or $10,000 refund and it's now on hold for a year because somebody stole my identity. No, if somebody's overpaying their taxes, does the IRS pay interest? It depends <laughs> on the timing. So the IRS pays the same rate that they charge. So if you owe the IRS and you owe them money after April 15th, they're going to charge you whatever the going rate is. And right now it's 7%. Um, but if you file late and the IRS owes you money after April 15th, they're going to pay you the same interest. And it's based on the difference between when the tax return was due and when the refund is issued. Well, that's nice. Um, we just yeah. had one that came in. We've been fighting it for a while for a trust. And there was almost $10,000 of interest added. 
because I've been fighting this for two and a half years. But there was almost $10,000 of interest that was added to the refund check when it came in. So it does happen. Wow. That's... Now the trust has $10,000 of interest income to report, but... <laughs> so here's the good and the bad. <laughs> okay, there's a, on here on your list you have um, clean vehicles. Clean vehicles. So there's been some changes. Um, most of us are familiar with, hey, if you go buy a new car and it's energy efficient, there's been tax credits. But those phased out when a certain number of vehicles had been sold. So for things like a Toyota Prius, that credit's been gone for a long time. Um, and it was starting to really get down to a very small number. So the Congress has revamped all of this. We now have a clean vehicle credit that applies to new vehicles, and we have a clean vehicle credit that applies to previously owned vehicles. They're two separate things. What is a clean vehicle? Clean vehicle is going to be something that is a electric or a plug-in hybrid vehicle. Um, there's whole... You guys can't see it because it's on the radio, but there's a giant page here that lists out what He's all... He's showing it to you. It has to Use have your imagination. to qualify. <laughs> um, but basically, the credit for a new vehicle is up to $7,500 on a qualifying vehicle. Qualifying vehicle is something that you're purchasing to use, not to resale. So you can't just buy the car and resell it. But you have to be able to plug these cars into something. Yes. Okay. Um, the vehicle is used primarily in the United States, and you have to have a modified adjusted gross income below 300000 if you're married filing joint or 150000 if you're filing single. Um, the key with this one is this is a use it or lose it credit. It doesn't carry forward. So if you're not going to have enough tax liability to utilize this credit, you might want to do some things to give yourself more taxable income. Um, on the previously owned vehicle side, the credit is up to $4,000. Car has to be at least two years old. It has to have a sales price of $25,000 or less. And again, it has to be purchased for use, not to be resold. You can't be the original owner of the vehicle because otherwise, how would it be a previously owned vehicle? You can't sell it to Sold yourself. Sold it to your wife. That's yeah, probably not going to work. Okay. <laughs> Um, so if you're Just looking to thinking get a, creatively. Yeah, if you're looking to get a clean vehicle, there's there's options for you in the new vehicle market, and there's some options for you in the used vehicle market uh, to help you save a little bit on that tax bill. But if if you saw the news this past week with everything frozen up in the Northeast, all those electric vehicles don't work because <laughs> they're frozen. Sorry. I live in the I, desert. I don't understand all that <laughs> cold and snow. <laughs> Okay, what else are we talking about here? Let's talk about the elder fraud. Okay. I mean, there's there's a lot going on with this, and I hear it all the time. Yes. What do you see? Uh, I saw a lot. Uh, I worked elder fraud for five years, uh, and they are really sad uh, and very difficult, complex investigations. Uh, most of the perpetrators uh, are overseas. Uh, now we're dealing with the foreign countries and some of them will not cooperate with the u.s uh, but i've been fortunate uh, that i was able to find people uh, who the top perpetrator and we arrested them overseas uh, but most of uh, talking about the scams uh, itself uh, i'll start with the i would in my opinion it's the worst it's the romance scam yeah um the scammers you know trying to 
they establish relationships, uh, romantic relationship or friendship with the elderly victim. And the victim fell in love with them. So Never met them. Never met them. Never even saw them. They, no no f- telephone conversations. Only sometimes not even. Sometimes yeah. just text messages or emails. And uh, we don't hear about it. Like most of the time, it's too late. The victim already lost everything. So the family member will, or the bank uh, notified the law enforcement. And by the time we uh, know about it, it's too late. The victim lost everything. And even if we knew about it early, the victim already in love. So they will not listen to us. That's kind of sad. <laughs> you know, so it's a, so that's one of the, like the worst. And, uh, and the second one is uh, what we've seen a lot is the lottery scam. Uh, so you, you just won the Irish lottery that you never entered. Yes, and you, you, you know you get the the scam will reach out to the victims, uh, emails again, or phone calls or mail, and and then they tell them that they won million or two or five, and uh, but they want their fees in advance, which yeah. is kind of. Does make sense because if I want five million dollar, take your fee out of the five million. Exactly. <laughs> but these guys like try convince the victims that they have to pay tax upfront, and they send them fake document like with yes, with IRS, you know, logo and template. And but when you read these letters, it looks fake. Uh, you know, there's like misspelling, grammatic, typos. Yeah. Yes, and but the victim is already hooked that with the idea that they won millions of dollars and they end up sending once they start sending small amount fee first then it goes up and up and up and they keep dangling the carrot and before you know it the victim lost everything wow yes uh other scams that we've seen is uh uh tech support uh what's that uh well you will see like uh, something popped in your lap computer you know, you have a virus or contact this reputable company yeah. uh, would call this number and the victim will call that number and then remotely they log in in their computer and they steal their information and bank account information Everything. and they actually ask them to log in sometime to their bank accounts and, and they transfer the money to their accounts. And so there's a big scam around that and make people, again, they use people panic to get what they want. Uh, and another scam is a government uh, agency impersonation. They call uh, victims and they tell them we are the IRS and threaten them or we are the FBI. Uh, I just wanted to say a government agencies and IRS will not call and threaten the U.S. taxpayer. Uh, if IRS wants something from you, you will get a letter in the mail. And I encourage you, if you have a doubt, make an appointment with your nearest IRS office and check uh, if this letter is real and conduct the business yourself uh, and just don't fall. No, no government agency going to call and threaten that we're going to uh, uh, arrest you put, arrest if you didn't you pay. Put you in jail. Yeah, and and there's no government agency going to come and uh, call you and say pay what you owe in a gift cards. Go or uh, bitcoins. Yeah, or bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, so you, yeah, you need to be really aware. There's so many clever people out there doing some really not nice things. Yeah. So, bitcoins is is uh, 
okay, are Bitcoins illegal? No. No. But no. they're, you know, it's still very confusing for people. What the heck are Bitcoins? You know? It is. So. We see the same the same type of stuff that happens with the, the lottery scams. We see that in the cryptocurrency world. Somebody will be convinced that this person that they've never met is going to take their money and trade it. And so that's where the scam starts on the, the cryptocurrency side is they'll send somebody a bunch of money or they'll send them the crypto that they already own. And then months or a year down the road, they start getting that letter of, hey, we turned your $10,000 into a million dollars or some ridiculous number because now you've hooked them in or they're, they're rich. Um, we just need you to pay the fees. We need you to pay the taxes. So send us $20,000 and that'll cover all of the taxes and then we'll send you your crypto and it goes the same way where it's just one fee on top of another until they've bled someone dry after they took all of your money in crypto. Wow. Um, but crypto itself is not not an illegal item. It's nothing wrong with owning it or using it. It is just a very easy way to steal from people because once you give somebody your crypto you aren't getting it back. They're not registered. There's, you know, if you're not sending it to a registered investment advisor where they have a fiduciary responsibility, these are usually going to somebody whose intentions were to steal from you from the beginning. With crypto. With crypto. We did a we did a show. We had a special agent from the IRS come on. We did a show with crypto. And if you weren't sitting here looking at the PowerPoint that he was using, it was hard to understand. I mean, it's very convoluted. So what is the value of crypto now? The, so there's, I don't know what our current number is, 2,500 coins that are available in various formats. Um, Bitcoin is just the most popular. I don't have any idea what it's trading at. I know it's increased in value in the last few months. Um, but these are just... These are things that trade based on a perceived value. There's no underlying assets. Um, so it's really hard to come up with any type of evaluation. A lot of it is traded on speculation. Um, but that's where people get hooked in is that they hear that easy money. I'm going to give you a couple of bucks and you're going to turn it into millions. And that's how people get wrangled in. If it sounds too good to be true, you know the saying. So... Yeah, don't don't get wrangled into that unless you really know what's going on with cryptocurrency and bitcoins and all this stuff. I mean, who's this guy in New York that went to prison because he was was doing not nice things with his company with cryptocurrency. So, read the news. Yeah, don't get involved with something you you really don't know anything about. So, what is this employee retention credit claims? What is that? Uh yes, the it's a it's a credit was available uh, for the businesses that were affected by the COVID uh, okay. pandemic, and uh, it was to offer relief for businesses who shut down during the COVID, who were still paying business expenses, uh, lease, rent, employees, uh, payroll, uh, paychecks, uh, and unfortunately. Uh, some scammers uh, figured it out and start getting the EIN just to apply for that credit and were able to receive a lot of money that they are not deserving. So if you don't have any employees, but you're saying you do, is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what they did. 
so I I can't file for all the employees I have. Is uh, no. So how do you get that money back? Well, once we found out, like found about it, we uh, we initiate an investigation and investigate these people uh, and continue most of the time uh, the scammers or they spend the money on cars, uh, luxury items and and but we were able to retrieve some of the money seize, you know, do seizures on the item that they purchased like house or cars um, yeah so do you give them a bill for the rest of it? Do they have to come up with the money? Uh, yes, there is always like restitution to the government, uh, pay it, uh, pay it back, and uh, they go to prison. Oh well, you can't get a job there, or can you? Uh, I think you have to work and pay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works. I've never been there. So okay, so they're in prison. How long do you go to prison for if if you do something like this? It depends on the amount of loss to the government. So okay. yeah, give me an idea. Like $10,000. I'm in prison for how long? Oh, well, if it's $10,000, most likely we're not going to investigate. We don't have the oh, resources you know. to investigate $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, so, and, 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 it, it's really, it's, it's, an, if it's, a, it's always, you know, it's going to be like, you know, a couple of hundreds of thousands in the millions. And, uh, and it depends on other circumstances. Like, uh, if the person cooperated, if, you know, if the person went so to trial. Oh, yeah. It, it depends on, depends, yeah. So tell me about a case that you won where somebody went to prison. What was the story behind it? Oh, I have plenty. Okay, uh, tell me, tell me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Anybody uh, we know? Uh, no, 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 not anyone, just regular people. Like I, I, I work in, uh, when I was in Philadelphia, I work in uh, uh, ID theft case. Uh, the person was uh, stealing identities um, and purchasing them from... Uh, some other sources, and he was able to file false tax returns, millions of dollars. Oh my God! Uh, yes, uh, so the person uh, cooperated, um, confessed, and went through the process, and he was sentenced to ten years, hundred twenty months. That's yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, uh, I have another uh, investigation that's also involved tax preparers who are stealing kids' identities where wow. they work during off-tax season. I uh, worked in an organization uh, that dealt with the children and they were stealing their identities and uh, they were a group of like brothers and cousins and uh, the preparers and uh, we were able to uh, prosecute all of the, these guys involved and that sentencing varied. Some got like uh, two got 10 years, the other got nine, eight, seven Depend so on depends. The, yes. Uh, so, but that, that was millions of dollars of loss losses. Um, and here in uh, Tucson, uh, I worked when I mentioned that I worked elder fraud. Uh, there was uh, uh, this case generated in Jamaica. It was lottery scam, and uh, the victim was in Arizona. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away, and that's what makes these cases difficult. Your victim will pass away by the time you go to trial or find these people. So so do you still go to trial? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. we, have, we have plenty of evidence. We have other victims. We have, you know, uh, financial uh, trail doesn't, doesn't but lie. But she didn't have the satisfaction of knowing that she won a case. Yes, and uh, was able to apprehend 
the guys who did it and uh, one of the guys went to trial uh, was fighting uh, the charges but he was found guilty and uh, he was sentenced to 160 months in prison good yes it's not the kind of room service you're thinking of (laughs) 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 so not something you want to do so again how how do people if they feel something is wrong how do they report it to the irs uh again you can like as far as like id theft uh, oh, just reporting a fraud in general, you can uh, file a form 3949A. Uh, that's the information referral. Okay, wait a minute. 3949? Yes. 3949A. A. Oh, A. Yeah, 3949A. I knew that. Yes, and that's information uh, uh, referral to the IRS. Uh, another thing, you can you can search where's the nearest uh, IRS office. And where are you located downtown? Uh, yes. And you can come and talk to us as a, a, a IRS criminal investigation agent. Is it 400? It's 300. 300? Yes. You can come. Congress? Yes. Congress Street. And you can walk to us. Uh, we'll take the information and we'll assess from there. Okay. When you're walking into that building, you have to go through this machine. Yes. The security. What can you take into the building and not take into the building? Uh, we'll take your ID. And uh, that's number one because you're not going to be and be able to get in without your identification. Okay, uh, good to know. Yes, of course you don't carry any weapon. Yeah, well that that's tacky. Yes, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's it. Really, that's your ID because you you won't be able to get in without ID. But you can bring your paperwork with you. Absolutely, you can bring your paperwork. Yeah, you can bring a water with you. So okay, yeah. leave your kids at home. It's up to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is 3949A. It's a form you can find on the irs.gov website. Yes. So if you suspect something's going on, you can report it. Yes. And if you want to talk to Mark, his cell number, his personal cell. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's your phone number at your company? The office telephone number is 520-344-344. Four one four nine. We can also be found at coppercanyontax.com. So if you've got any questions, or got you any need questions, reach out. And uh, the more detail you want, the more information we need. There you go. There you go. I want to thank you both. We've got a uh, little bit of time left. Words of wisdom, parting thoughts. Hassan. I would say, uh, since we are you know close to the filing season, uh, review your tax returns. You are responsible for it, regardless and of who prepares it. Yes, it's it's your responsibility. You got in, you get in the refund. Uh, and second, uh, protect your identities. Uh, most of like you know cyber scams and and uh, it's you can prevent eighty percent out of it by yourself. Uh, freeze your freeze your credit report. Freeze yeah. or whatever that. Yes, yeah, and, and freeze don't, it. yeah, and don't be trusting. Like, you do not just go and leave your social security number and your kids' information with someone that you know, and without guarding guarding it. So, yes. Mark, words of wisdom. You've got twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Get an IP pin. Um, once you sign up for an IP pin, it lasts for the one year. Every January, the IRS will send you a letter that has a new IP pin on it, and it can only be used to get your tax return electronically filed. So there you go. 
Thank you for staying with us this morning, and thank you both for being here and educating us. And if you have any questions, call Mark, not me. Shop local and stay safe.